You are about to hear a message preached at Church One on the Gold Coast. To find out more about Church One, visit us on the web at churchone.com.au. And be sure to subscribe to these podcasts so you don't miss out on any new messages as they are available. Amen. And I want to say you're, you're a part of that, you know, with your prayers and your support. And uh, just call a co- couple of guys that went on the trip with me. Blake, quickly, come on up and just uh, just a couple of highlights for you. And Tarita, come on up. And Tegan, I asked Tegan to come up. I know there's about 11 of us that went along there, but uh, I'll just ask these guys to quickly um, just share some highlights. As you guys know, I love the Philippines. And um it was a real awesome trip, and far, far best is the best trip that I've been on. Um, there was a lot of amazing things that happened over there, as you saw on the video there. But a lot of things we miss out is, is the team that comes with us. And I'd just like to share just um, a short, brief thing on, um, on the team that come with us and how God worked in, in their lives. Like um, for Tarita, she was like a real mother to the kids there, and the kids just just flocked around her and tears when they were praising. I said, um, Tegan over there, like she's got natural beauty, but God revealed her heart, which caused a magnet to the kids just to come and flock around her. And um, Samara, she's combined with both those gifts, like, and, and full of joy. Um, Hannah was with me when we were in the school, when we were talking in, in the classes. Hannah stepped out. She spoke in the Filipino language. And we went to three classes. And with her helping me, we, we got about 90% of the children that gave their life to Jesus that day. So that was awesome. And Cara, I've been on three trips with Cara. This is the most behaved trip that I've been with her on. She was awesome. She was awesome. So God is working in everybody's life. Christian, they come with us, although very land, but when it was time for him to step up, he stepped up and he preached in the Punta um, Church. Muz is a natural leader. He made sure everybody was safe, and he was well organized and organized us, and he was just full on. You couldn't slow him down. He was just going all the time. And He's worse than a woman. He changes about four times a day. So Pastor Ted, his preaching over there, come up to um, another level, as we saw in the universities and all that sort of stuff. Like the kids just gave lives to Jesus. Pastor Amanda, when we delivered food out to everybody in, in the Punta area, we were going into some real, real dark places. And Pastor Amanda just prayed over the family. It was just a natural thing for her. And her prayers were loud, powerful, and it hit home with a few of them, I think. And I think I haven't missed out anybody. So I just encourage people that come over there that God does amazing things in your life over there. Thank you. Bless the Lord. Are you going to lead the next team? I just asked these two girls. I think this is your first time out of the country. So I wanted them to, you know, to speak because of that. So T, that was a life-changing experience for you, wasn't it? There's going to be tears. Talking about like uh, the mothering uh, kind of anointing, I guess, that um, Blake was talking about. God told me previously, you'll be like a mother to them. And I had no idea what that looked like. And um, I think the biggest, like, 
the whole thing was a highlight and the kids especially but I think the biggest highlight was when we got to pray for like I've been through heavy depression and anxiety I've been diagnosed with that stuff and we got to pray for these grade 10 kids who had like very clearly depression like all like it was very heavy over them like I had no words I felt really ill-equipped because sometimes because I've been in that dark place words aren't enough and it wasn't my awesome prayer <laughs> that they thanked me for it was thank you for hugging me came all the way over there just to give a hug but it changed their lives because afterwards when they spoke to me you could see joy you could see peace where there was deep sorrow and so um I just want to say like if you feel ill-equipped you are but the Holy Spirit is there to equip you and him saying hug that person just do it you don't know what a simple touch can do to change someone's life. I was praying about it last night and I really wanted to speak same time in the prayer garden when we we prayed over those young girls over anxiety and depression and how uh, we went into the prayer garden we spoke to classrooms and we stood up in front of them and I spoke about how God healed me of anxiety and when I fell into depression and he literally saved my life and to go up and be able to come straight from that into the missions field to pray over those people who have the exact same thing was insane it was insane um I just believe that you know blessing and elevation comes in a time of uncomfort <laughs> when you go into a, a whole country that you you've never been to when when you're asked to come up and you speak to people and you feel uncomfortable that's that's when God moves I always say that when you go to the mission field, you know, it's not that you're changing lives, but your life gets changed by the people that you minister and reach out to. And, you know, it's, it's consistent with what the Lord said. The Lord said, you know, he who waters others will be watered, you know, and that's what it's about. One of the things that we did over the years, we've, we've kind of, we've looked to establish a church there from the scholarship program we've had and uh, I think over the course of time as a congregation I think we put through some over 20 young people through university that are today have professional jobs and many of you over the years have been faithful in sponsoring that and in the years that it hasn't that hasn't happened the mission funds had covered that but we are really committed to education because it really changes lives not only spiritually but it really changes communities these people now have a future and have a hope not just talk it's not just talking church you know they they have jobs they're helping their siblings are helping their parents they're putting their siblings through schools now so uh, just your experience you met some of these guys and and probably encourage a church in the new uh, set of students that we are going to be sponsoring or we've already started sponsoring um, yeah, just with regards to the sponsorship that we do up there in the Philippines, uh, these students that we sponsor come from very challenging backgrounds. And by challenging, I mean their families live in extreme poverty. And so for the opportunity that is offered to them for a university education, that is just beyond their wildest dreams that such a thing could happen. And as Pastor Ted's touched on, it doesn't just completely change their lives, and it does do that. It 
completely changes the outcome of their whole life, of what might, of what sort of job they might be able to get, of what their career aspirations could be. And that, as he said, trickles down to their families often as well. And so, just to share a bit about some of the students that we've already sponsored up there. So all of the young adults that you saw in those videos that are running the, the church up there in Punta Santa Ana in Manila, they've all been through our sponsorship program. So they've been sponsored by this church to go to university and they've got an education and they've now got good professional jobs. And we had contact up there with the the head of the university that they went to. And how many students at that university, Pastor Ted? There's 3,000 students at that university. And so the head of that university knows who our students are. Out of 3,000 students, he knows, him and his wife, they know who our students are. And the reason that they know who they are is not because it's us that's sponsoring them, it's because they are outstanding students. And they're outstanding students for a number of reasons, but one of the reasons that we need to understand is they know this is a life-changing opportunity. They know it will change their own lives, the lives of their families, and most probably the lives of their communities. And so for them, they've got a hunger for that, to get that a good education and to succeed and to do well. It's not something casual for them, oh, I've got this opportunity, someone's sponsoring me from overseas. No, they, they've got a, a hunger and a responsibility that they're going to be the best that they can be in that. And, and most of them that have been through that are running the, our church up there. So not only have they got an education and a good professional job now, but they're sowing back into their community. And as you saw in the videos there, the amount of young kids that we prayed for and that came along to our outreaches in Punta, like hundreds and hundreds of young kids, and they are the next generation of the church up there. In another five years' time, six years' time, they're all going to be young adults and teenagers, and I just believe the Lord's going to do amazing stuff up there. So just to finish up, um, we're currently sponsoring two students at the moment, and we have been since July. So there's a commitment of about $80 a month for those students to, for, for the mission fund to pay for their fees. And so if people would like to give into that, that would be much appreciated and, or just fantastic. Maybe there's a life group. You know, you don't have to cover the whole fund. Perhaps a life group can get together, chip in $5 each uh, a month or whatever, and, and cover some of those fees. So just pray about that. Seek the Lord. But just know that definitely that money is going to something really worthwhile. It is changing people's lives. I'm going to share something really that's been in my heart. It's funny because this particular message I tried to share uh, while well, I was in the Philippines, but I only got 10 minutes to share it. And now, guess what? I only got 10 minutes to share it. Last week, I started to talk to you about knowing God, who God is, and how important it is, I believe, for a Christian to know God. That seems convoluted, doesn't it? A Christian needs to know God. 
But the reality is I've met so, I have met so many Christians in my life as a pastor, and it staggers me how many Christians have the wrong perspective or the wrong view of God. For some, God to them is just a matter of experience. They experienced something that related to God and that became the foundation of their faith. For others, it's through religious upbringing that they know God and that's kind of the limitation of that. For others, it's a cerebral connection. It, God just makes sense, so they just become Christians. For others, it doesn't make sense. That's why they become Christians. There's so many different sort of, you know, uh, touch point in our lives through which we have known God, but I think it's really important is what Jesus said in the first and greatest commandment when it says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your mind and all your soul and all your strength. You shall serve him like so. And in order for us to do that, I really do believe that God wants to engage us emotionally. God wants to engage us psychologically. God wants to engage us intellectually. And God wants to engage us physically. Right? God has to be more than an intellectual concept or academic idea. God has to be more than a feeling. God has to be more than all. He has to be tangible to be real. And, and oftentimes we, we kind of sort of, not maybe often, but, but sometimes Christians only know God in part because we only give him a part of us. Or at least only a part of us is engaged in the fullness of God. And so we're trying to capture this, this, this amazing, limitless being through the limited faculties of our five senses. It is not only difficult, it's impossible most of the time. And so my goal today is to give you five particular aspects of who God is. Last week I talked more about what I've just shared just now, but, but five aspects, but really focusing on one of these that really, something that really God has really honed in on me. I really do believe that if we're going to have an authentic relationship with God, if we're going to have worship that truly is the kind of worship that God expects, one that is of the spirit and of truth, we have to be people that know God. The book of Daniel says them that know their God will do great exploits. You know, your level of success really has to be, uh, you know, correlated to your knowledge of God as a Christian for a Christian. I shared with you in Second Peter also that it's through the divine knowledge of Him that we have everything that we need in life and godliness. So the whole of our identity is not about finding ourselves. Ephesians chapter 1 says that he has predestined and has chosen us before the beginning of time. But he has done this in him. Right? Are you there? He did it in him. So how do we find ourselves? We find ourselves by being in him. But how do we know that if we don't know him? Or if we, we only know him based on some construct that we've created I shared with you last week what it, how people have different ideas of God. So, um, but here, who is God then according to the Bible? I'm going to give you five biblical pillars that the Bible teaches us who God is. First of all, the Bible says that He is eternal. 
You know what that means? Now, here's a problem with people trying to understand eternity. You are driven by the 24-hour clock. Somewhere along the way, time started for humanity, and we've got this lineal time that tells us what time it is. Right now, it's almost 10 to 11. We're driven. The way we run our servers is driven by time. We want to be led by the Spirit. But you know, uh, I'm not saying that we can't be. I'm pretty sure that we are. But we have time. And, and, and we are within the construct of, you know, you know, you honor people's time. And so we are time conscious as human beings. We only have a certain time on the earth. How do you, how do you understand the concept of an eternal God through a finite life and through a finite mind. It's really, really difficult unless you have a revelation of that. But the reality of the eternal God is this. He has no time. He's got plenty of time for you, but he is not in time. He works within his time, which in which the, 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 the paradox is that time doesn't exist in God. Because he is time. There's no beginning and there's no end of God. Therefore, time cannot exist. He is not controlled. He's not constrained by time. And the biggest problem I feel in Christianity, why we don't understand God fully, is we always constrain God based on our understanding of beauty, based on our understanding of excellence, based on our understanding of success, based on our understanding of what is wonderful in the world, and even the limitations of life. We limit God within the realities of our lives. Whether we like it or not, that's what we do. But God is without limits. He's eternal. He is infinite. He has no beginning. He has no, before time existed, He existed. That is why when Jesus or when God spoke to Moses, when Moses said, Who will I say sent me? God didn't say, Tell him that I sent you. He said, Tell him I am sent you. The God who is ever present in time past, present, future, and eternity. He's never ending, but never beginning at the same time. It's incredible. He's eternal. I don't know whether that's something that is easy or hard to understand for you, but he is eternal. He, so an eternal God always speaks to you from the place of eternity. God doesn't speak to you in your economy. The Word of God didn't come from some academia. It came from an eternal place that exists within human constraints. So when God speaks, He's speaking from a different space. That's why oftentimes God doesn't make sense. And that's why always God makes you do the things that are impossible. Why is that? Because that's His gig. The impossible. Number two, God is creator. You know what that means? No one created him. I know that atheists will tell you that God is a construct, a psychological construct of people that are wanting a crutch in their lives. But the reality is God is the creator of all things. And can I just say this for some of you here that God is not anti-science. He created science. 
Now, you might have different perspectives of what science looks like, and you might, some Christians think that science is anti-God. No, no, no. Science is there to prove God for most of its part. All right? Science is not devoid of God. But the reality is in God that He is the Creator, the eternal being who created all things, which means if He's the Creator of all things, it makes Him self-existing because nothing creates Him. If it's self-existing, God is complete. You know, the completeness of God actually says that He actually didn't need us. He doesn't need us. Because God was always complete in eternity past. He didn't need to create human beings. And this perspective is really important for us to understand. I remember saying this to somebody, you know, God doesn't need you. And then they started getting upset with me. I said, really? I thought, you know, God has a purpose for me. I said, yeah, the purpose for you is really because he loves you. It's not because he needs to give you purpose because it's like dying in heaven unless you did something about, you know, his work on the earth. It's like, you know, it's not like you're the only person that can get that job done. Come on, somebody, right? And sometimes we treat God like, oh, you know, God owes it to me. I go to church. I put my offering in. And, and you know, we, and sometimes we argue with God as if, you know, this is what Jeremiah says. Will a potter argue with the sculptor? The clay argue with the How did I say? Will the clay argue with the potter? But yet that's what we're doing. We're the one that's created by God and we're arguing with him as if we're the one creating him. In fact, whenever we do, we're actually creating a God that doesn't exist. An idol. Because we're trying to shove God into the construct of the limitation of our human mind and our fears and our anxieties. And we're shoving him in the realities of our pain of our life and say, you're not going to come through for me. What you said is not true. Why is this happening to me? Why did my friend die? Or why, why have I lost my job? Why is my... Whenever we do that, we are... It's not, it's not just putting God in a box. We're saying, you are not creator. I am. Because we're, 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 we're making God something that he's not. Just because we're in pain. But he is the creator. He is Elohim. The creator of all things. You see, I, I'll never find my identity unless I know who gave my identity. The Bible said that he is love. We all know. We, we love this part. We just love the God who is love. You know, we just love we just love it, you know. And, and really this postmodern age of Christianity really has focused in the love of God. But I found that a lot of times a lot of the postmodern kind of teaching about the love of God has to do with a consenting parent that gives permission for bad behavior. God is okay if I don't live a life that he wants because he loves me no matter what. And that's true, but it's not all true. Because the next thing I'm going to say to you will blow you away because the nature of God's love is pure. That's why you can't offend Him. The reason you can't offend God is not because He's allowing you to sin. It's because His love is so pure that your sin can't touch it. It has nothing to do with His permission or consent or because He's a nice guy. God is not a nice God. He is a good God. There's a difference. All right? 
And he is a righteous God, okay? Are you with me? When I went through these pillars of the nature and the attributes of God, I landed on the last one. And this one brought fear to me. And even as I speak now, I feel a bit shaken by the idea of this. God is holy. Above all the attributes of eternity, of a creator and love, there's only one attribute and characteristic that the Bible repeats three times and not once when it refers to God. And the angels in eternity repeat it from the beginning of, before time began, and into eternity. They don't say, God is love, 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 love around the throne. They don't say, God, God is mercy, mercy, mercy around the throne. They don't say, God is gracious, gracious, gracious around the throne. They don't say, God is eternal, eternal. They say, He is holy, Holy, holy. The reason we sin is not because of the lack of grace or understanding of it. It's because we don't know how holy God is. And holy is beyond moral purity, people. We always think that holy is someone who is good and beyond moral failure. The real ancient definition of holy is one who is cut above the rest. The one who is uniquely unformed and without comparison. When the Bible speaks of the beauty of the holiness of God, and I struggled with this idea for so long, because holiness seems like doing things right, and when I discovered Holiness is the most beautiful aspect of God that you will ever discover. If you think of the most beautiful experience, the most beautiful object, the most beautiful jewel, the most beautiful person you'd ever meet on the face of the earth, that does not even compare to the beauty of His holiness. And to get the revelation of the beauty of the holiness of God, We are fascinated by holiness, whether we like it or not. The world is. People are fascinated by holy men. Movies are made about it. People are mocked for it. Whether we like it or not, we are fascinated by the idea of somebody being set apart from the rest of the world and living a life that seems so ascetic, so separate, so unique. But it also scares us. We have this incredible, complex relationship with the holiness of God. We're fascinated that this holy God that's cut from everything else, from eternity, and yet we become afraid of it. It's the it's craziest feeling you'll ever experience in your life because you will, fear, you will feel both fear, love, beauty, awe, marvel, and all these feelings that just don't seem to connect together and you feel this when you get the revelation of the holiness of God you don't want to sin because you know your identity is deeply embedded in that nature 
And Jesus made that possible. Not by works. Not by ordinances and traditions of men. It's because Jesus says, this is Jesus, my Father is holy, be holy. For He is holy. He says, how should you pray? This is how you should pray. Our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name. You can't even get past into a relationship, into an authentic relationship with God until you know He's holy. You're struggling with sin. Let me tell you what your struggle is. It's a revelation of knowing who your God is. If Christians can't understand the difference between sin and not sin, it's not because they're ignorant. It's because they don't know the Holy God. You know His Spirit is not just a Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. His love is not just love. It's a holy love. His fire is not just fire. It's the holy fire. He's a holy God. And what our nation and what our teenagers and what our church and and our young adults need is, is understanding the holiness of God. Kids turn away from God because they forget how holy He is. They think they can just pick, it up, pick Him up any time in their life when they're ready for Him. Sorry. God is not under your timetable. He's eternal. I feel so stirred with this. Uh, I spent a lot of time. I, the church in the 33rd anniversary gave me a verse in Psalms 96. We worship him in the beauty of his holiness. They said, Pastor Ted, we want you to preach in that. And I said, how unfair. I'm an expositor. Give me a whole chapter, and I'll give you a good message. Don't give me two lines. But in those two lines, it changed something in me. And it's not an ordinance legalistic thing. I'm not imposing legalism on you. I'm imploring you. To know Him. The reason marriages break up is because they've lacked the fear of the holiness of God in their home. How do I know that? Because the Bible says, make, do not defile the holy bed. Even the marriage bed is meant to be holy. This Bible is the holy Bible. Have you noticed our language has taken holiness? And we say, God's gracious, God's love. He is a holy God. And if the angels are singing it in eternity, I'm going to sing it forever. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Can you give me five more minutes? Is that okay? In the book of Isaiah, when Isaiah was called by God, I think it's around Isaiah chapter 6, and it says something like this. And in the year the king Uzziah died, Isaiah wrote this, I saw the Lord, and his train filled the temple, and the angels cried, Holy Holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Amazing vision. I left out a couple of words there, but you can go check it out yourself. Here's what's significant about this, and I believe that this is the state of Christianity in this world today. King Isaiah was probably touted since King David, the best 
king that Israel ever had. Granted, towards the end of his life, he kind of sort of fell off the rails a little bit. But for 52 years, Israel experienced its most prosperous years. They developed. They were influential. Isaiah, in fact, probably felt the least persecution during Isaiah. They were friends. Imagine being friends with a king. He was so grief-stricken when Uzziah died. And he went into prayer. And I love the words. And the king, the king Uzziah died, which means the hope of our nation, the one who has built and given us peace, that in giving us prosperity, he seemed to represent all of the success, all of the blessing, and all of the things that we desire as Christians for our lives. That's King Uzziah. He represents your business working. He represents your ministry growing. He represents your marriage prospering. He represents your life flourishing in every area. That's King Uzziah. But he died. And some place in our lives we will experience where those great victories may not seem to be our realities. For Isaiah, the greatest thing that happened to him was when King Uzziah died, was he saw the Lord. And he didn't just see God. He didn't see the Lord as provider. He didn't see the Lord as the guy that's going to give him a new king. He didn't see the Lord as the guy that's going to give him a new lease of life as a nation. He didn't see the God of promise in so many words. He saw him and he was holy. And sometimes we got to let Uzziah die to see the real king. The real king, he is holy. He is holy. I want to leave you with that. But I want to play this song for you. Chris Tomlin wrote this song. And Marcy Painter during the A2A conference played this. And when I was growing up as a, as a Catholic boy, we used to have responses in church. Peace be with you was one of the things. I don't know if you remember any of those, but he wrote this song that had a congregational response to it. And I want you to, to listen to these words, but as the words are being spoken, I want you to also respond to the things that I've said this morning in your own time, in your own, where you are, and as you feel the holy presence of God touch your heart, I want you to stand before God in this moment. And if you have sickness in your body, you're standing in the presence of God. Receive your healing as you stand also. Yes, he loves you. Please don't misunderstand what I said today. I'm not taking away God's love for you by saying what I said today. I'm not taking away the fact that God is a promise keeper. No. But we must know him for who he is above all. He is holy. Holy is our God. Amen. Amen. You feel a bit sobered this morning. Sometimes we need that, don't we? And I, I didn't share that with you to, to make you feel bad, but to recognize him and to recalibrate ourselves to what matters, what really matters in heaven. Amen. You have just listened to a message preached at Church One on the Gold Coast. To find out more about Church One, visit us on the web at churchone.com.au. And be sure to subscribe to these podcasts so you don't miss out on any new messages as they are available.